Coming up on Chasing the Natty, with spring camps and games fully behind us, it's time we did a heat check on some of these players. We have Justin from CFF Insiders joining us, and we'll be discussing 10 players we think are being overvalued in CFF leagues. In addition, we have a trio of intriguing quarterbacks and a big-time wide receiver finding their destinations out of the transfer portal. All this and more coming right after this. Zappi looking to Jared Stearns who makes the catch and scores. What a burst! Trey Vaughn Anderson! As advertised, touchdown Buckeyes! This is Chasing the Natty, a college fantasy football podcast. All right, welcome in everybody. This is Jared Palmgren, host of the Chase and Natty podcast. I hope you guys are having a wonderful ride to your work on a Monday morning. Really appreciate you guys being patient last week with there being no episode. Uh, I'm officially finished with grad school for this semester, so things are going to calm down a little bit. I'm not going to have to worry about missing out on an episode here anytime soon, but I appreciate all of you who were asking me last week, hey, where's the episode? Where's the episode? It makes me feel special. It makes me feel like we, uh, we're doing a good job and that you guys want to see more content. But we are back now. We got a loaded, loaded show for you guys today. We got Transfer Portal Talk today, and we got a ton, a ton of players to talk about that we think are being overvalued. Now the question is, who is we? Jared, who did you bring on this week? Well, guys, I have Justin from CFF Insiders on with us today. So Justin, how are you doing today, sir? I'm uh, doing well, man. Uh, I'm sure anybody who's listened to me before is, is probably listening right now and says, dude, what the heck is going on with your voice? Uh, I'm, I'm kind of a, I'm an events guy for the city that I live in and had to MC like all day long yesterday. Oh, Lord. And so it's a, it's a little shot, but it's good enough to roll, man. Yeah. You sound, you sound great on my end. So I imagine the people listening probably are wondering like, what is he even talking about? He sounds fine. <laughs> But even so, guys, like I said, we have a loaded show today. But before we get started, uh, this is something I've been bad about the last couple of weeks. So I want to make sure I do it with our guests this week. So, Justin, please let the people know where they can find you on social media, as well as the fact, like, what are you working on? What kind of stuff do you provide for the CFF landscape? Uh, it, you can find me at Insider CFF on Twitter. Uh, if you're in it for college fantasy football, I do a lot of that stuff. If you're just a college football fan, uh, feel free to give me a follow, especially if you are like dead hot watching the transfer portal. Uh, we're pretty good for that. And as far as projects go, now that the spring is over, we're kind of getting into May, getting into the summer. We're getting ready to drop the next set of rankings. Uh, looking to do a set now and then a set here in the fall as we get some more, of course, injury updates, things of that nature. Um, get practice reports. And uh, so be on the lookout over the next couple of weeks. We'll probably drop them positionally day by day. So just keep your eye out for that. Yeah, they do a great job over there at CFF Insider. So go <clears> ahead <throat> and check out their content over there. Justin, I'm going to let you kind of give your spiel. So I'm going to give my spiel. Now, if you guys are watching on YouTube, make sure you like, subscribe, and leave a comment down there below. I love talking to you guys down there. In addition, if you're listening on podcasts, make sure you're following us wherever you are listening, whether it be Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or really anywhere that I think, again, the service I have just puts it up everywhere uh, for me. So God bless them for that. 
Um, and then, in addition, we are a part of the Campus Canton CFF team. Myself, Nate Marquise, Brandon Sanders, and Chris Moxley head up that team. We are providing constant content for you guys, whether that be podcasts like this one, in addition to articles on the website, rankings, CFF ADP, some tools. Again, I'm going to talk about one of the tools here in a second, but we're even working on some other tools that we're going to be implementing, if not this year, but definitely working on for next year. We've got tons of stuff heading y'all's way in regards to that. Again, I do want to throw out there, make sure you listen to all the shows for Campus to Canton. You have us on Mondays, Chase and Natty with myself and whoever I bring on with... Uh, whoever I bring on as a guest that's on YouTube and podcast forum. On Tuesdays, you have Campus Life with Austin Nace and Colin Decker on the podcast side of things. That is the college side of the flagship Campus Canton podcast. On Debbie, on Wednesday, you have Debbie Debate live streamed on YouTube at 9.30 in the evening with Felix Sharp, Matt Bruning, Austin Nace, and Chris Moxley. They're always a great time. On Thursdays, you have Canton Bound with Austin Nace and Colin Decker. That is the uh, NFL side of the flagship Campus of Canton podcast. And you also have the official with Alfred Fernandez, Matt Powell, and David Nipple on YouTube. That is a recruiting analytics show. Absolutely a fun time if you're just a nerd for analytics, nerd for model building, but also if you just want to hear a ton about these freshmen that are coming in, both in the 2022 class and the 2023 class upcoming. And then on Fridays, we have the other CFF-based show that we have. That is the Future Freshman Podcast with Brandon Sanders, a show very much tied to CFF Dynasty. If you want to hear about which uh, freshmen are most likely to be getting time in their freshman years and you get to build off of them for multiple years, absolutely check that show out as well. And lastly, if you're watching this on YouTube, I'm going to give you guys a quick little example of the newest tool we have here on campus to Canton. It is a tool that myself and Jared Brackus worked together to bring to life on the website. Um, I did all the mathematics behind it and everything. Jared did a great, great job actually building it into the website, making sure that it's usable for you guys. Uh, Cause I just had it on like a little spreadsheet and every, and it, that wouldn't have been usable for you guys. But this is the draft predictor tool. Um, I've had this idea for about a year now. I'm very excited to like, show it to you guys. Basically, what will happen is you can select your format, whether it's CFF, C2C, or Devi, any of the college fantasy formats that, you, that are popular out there. You enter the number of teams that you have in this. Um, you enter the number of teams that you have in your league. And then you select a player that you want to know whether or not they will be there at your next pick. So if you're looking to, at this online right now, I currently have it set to Bijan Robinson. Let's do something a little bit more fun a little bit later in the draft. Let's do Will Rogers. And let's say that I want to know if he, if let's, let's say it's the beginning, or let's say it's the 2-3 turn. And I'm currently picking at 2-8, but I want to know if he'll still be there in the third round. So if I, like... 2-8, that is the fifth pick in the third round, then would be in my next pick. So with that, you will see a graph show up here, and it will tell you the probability that he will be available and the probability he is already taken by that point in that kind of league. So if you can see here on the graphic, Will Rogers has an 83.6% chance to be available to me in the third round. I don't have to reach for him in the second round. So that's a quick little thing. Absolutely check out that tool, y'all. I've been very proud of it. So absolutely go and go ahead and check that out. All right, now that I've gotten all that out of the way, let's go ahead and get into our first segment here. We're going to start talking about some of these big time transfers that we think are going to be the most impactful on your CFF leagues from the past couple of weeks. 
Let's go ahead and talk about this first wide receiver today. And it's this, he's now my new favorite wide receiver because he actually dropped his transfer news in a timely manner right before the show started. And I was able to actually get him into the show rather than him announce it after the show. And I look like a dummy for talking about this a week later. But anyway, Jalen Robinson, wide receiver out of UCF, has announced that he will be transferring to the Old Miss Rebels, Land Sharks, whatever new mascot they plan on adopting in the next year um justin what are your overall thoughts on this because i'm sitting here thinking that like i'm excited by this like this is this is like this this feels great to me but what do you think man so i have a love-hate relationship with these ole miss transfer wide receivers and it's the fact that like every single one of them that comes into ole miss is always an incredibly talented player and it's easy to get excited about, but Ole Miss just picks up so many transfer wide receivers. Uh, for example, for this year, they, you know, a lot of people have already hopped on Jordan Watkins, who came in from Louisville after a strong spring. Malik Heath went from Mississippi State to Ole Miss, which I'm sure that every single uh, every single Bulldog fan is hoping for the uh, Mississippi State Bulldog fan. Mm-hmm is rooting for this guy's failure for going <laughs> from state to Ole Miss. And then now they're picking up Robinson, which I think Robinson is a phenomenal player. We've seen him produce at a high level. Uh, me and you talked a bit about it before we got on podcast about how he topped 900 yards and in, in uh, 2020 in the COVID year on top of being the wide receiver too, which has been all last year hurt. I think he's, I think he's a very good, uh, very good player. It's very easy to get excited about this, especially since, you know, we've seen Dart throw some pretty bad balls in the spring, but we mm-hmm. also do- saw Dart throw some pretty dang good balls in the spring. And so uh, he could potentially be a pretty big player. It's just from a uh, from a CFF expert standpoint who does rankings, it is a pain and a half to try to figure out which one of these Ole Miss guys is going to be the guy Cause it was the same thing last year where it's like, everybody's like they were either on Mingo or they were on Sanders. And then it was drumming turned out to be drumming. It was drumming. And so like, we were all just wrong. And exactly. so uh, I guarantee you, it's going to, I guarantee you it's going to be like the same thing this year. It's like, Oh, Mingo, no Robinson, no Watkins. And then like Malik Heath is going to be the guy that steps up or some random Juco guy that they picked up and none of us were aware of is going to be the guy that gets all of it yeah there's a lot to be excited about the potential is very very good for him in that system though i agree 100 percent. and to me again you mentioned malik heath he's definitely kind of the wild card here uh we don't know where exactly he's fitting on this depth chart quite yet but like at least for me it feels like the Starting the starters have been figured out for Old Miss, at least at the wide receiver position. You have Mingo on the outside, along with Robinson on the other side, and you probably got Watkins there on in the slot. And so, and then Michael Trigg, of course, out there as well. So, I mean, as much as I love Robinson, Trigg is still my guy in this offense. But like, again, I really, really like this uh, landing spot because again, like Robinson wasn't going to produce at UCF. Uh, like we, he was able to under Hypo. It came down between Ole Miss and Tennessee. I definitely like Ole Miss better than Tennessee because I don't want anybody messing with my Cedric Tillman hype. Um, so I'm, I'm very much excited for him to go somewhere that needed wide receivers and absolutely was looking for a guy to kind of step up there. Um, 
And again, like we've, we've been high on him before. I mean, last year he was drafted as the wide receiver eight at UCF. Now, granted, he got injured and then Malzahn's system just isn't conducive to wide receivers like Robinson. So I'm happy that he's back in a system that where he can produce if he is the guy. I'm willing to take him, um, again, not as high as like, I would, like, again, before this, like, I had Bingo in, like, a wide receiver 30-something range. I'm going to bump him down a little bit now. Uh, and I'm not putting, I'm not going to replace him with Robinson or anything. Like, I'm going to bump both of them down probably. I'd say, just off the top of my head, probably looking in, like, the wide receiver, like, 45, 55 range. Like, have both of them right there because that's right around the range where I'm, you know, I'm just willing to take shots on guys. And, again, if you yeah. can get the wide receiver one for Ole Miss, it's going to be great for you. Oh, absolutely. All righty. I think that's enough about Robinson. Again, I'm, I'm liking this landing spot a lot. Uh, let's go ahead and talk about some of these quarterbacks here. <clears throat> First up, we have Mr. Emory Jones transferring out of Florida and going over to Arizona State. Justin, I feel like most people have kind of mixed feelings about this for the most part. What are your kind of overall thoughts on this? Arizona State is just a hard team to buy into this year to begin with. Um, you know, they had all this stuff go on in the offseason. They're probably looking at some possible sanctions coming their way. Uh, Herm Edwards, I could very much see being out after the season, given the amount of talent they've had transfer out of the program yep. this year. You know, Jaden Daniels, who's the guy who's been the guy the last three years never developed there and is now at LSU. LV Bunkley Shelton is looking for a new home right now. Um, Emory Jones himself is a wild card. Like I am, I can admit when I'm wrong, me and Joe D were very wrong about him last year. Uh, I liked Emory Jones a lot, not as much as uh, DeSalvo did because God knows in any of those best ball leagues, nobody got Emory Jones except for Joe D. And, but after just seeing him play so inconsistently all year, the dreadful game against UCF in the, mm -hmm. in the end of the season, and the fact that Arizona State just doesn't have a lot of talent at the receiver, they're pretty, they're still real solid at running back, but they just don't have a lot of receiving options. Uh, and then on top of that, you have Paul Tyson transferring in. He didn't exactly show out in the spring, exactly. but that is also a factor that you have to play into this, that maybe he just looked bad in the spring because he's not familiar with everything. Um, it'll be – he could very easily win the job. I just don't know that I'm buying – I don't know that I'm drinking the Emory Jones Kool-Aid this season like I was last year. There's reasons to be intrigued by this. I don't think this is one of those things where, like, this is, like, the perfect landing spot. Emory Jones is about to go off. I mean, there's, again, Emory Jones, again, you're hard on yourself there. And, like, and I'm a Georgia fan, so it's not like I want to praise a Florida QB. But he did finish as the QB 21 last year. So, like, Jones wasn't exactly a slouch. Now, granted, a lot of that came from his rushing. Dude rushed for over... 750 yards last year so he was getting a lot of work done on the ground and we've seen with arizona state they're willing to let their qb run we saw Jaden daniels get a lot of his value the last couple of years now granted again you're right they're extremely limited at receiver in fact their two best receivers are both gone 
and I, they just yeah. pulled in uh, Cam Johnson out of Vanderbilt, and I like Cam Johnson, but like not that much. I don't think he's going to elevate yeah. that passing game in any way, shape, or form. Um, again, I'm intrigued. Would I be shocked if by the end of the season we're looking at Emory Jones was like a top 40 quarterback in CFF just due to, due to his tendency to run constantly, and especially in a run-heavy system? I wouldn't be shocked. But again, he's not somebody I'm like go, ready to go out and just like change my whole draft strategy to try to make sure I grab him at one point. Yeah, I get that. So, but again, like there's, there's, there's some, again, the, the rushing ability is always going to keep Emory Jones intriguing. I think he's a, probably a better value in best ball, especially in the Pac-12 where they don't like to play a ton of defense um, typically. So, I, again, intriguing, but I'm going to mostly pass for now. The next one I think is definitely one that I think people in the CFF community were uh, definitely more intrigued by, and that is... Jerry Bohannon, former starting quarterback for Baylor, transfers out of Baylor, is now going to the University of South Florida. First of all, rip uh, Timmy McLean hype. Uh, very unfortunate for him. But this is a guy last year that finishes a QB 38, but had an incredible upside because of his rushing ability. Rushed for over 300 yards last year, nine touchdowns on the ground, and did, did pretty decently through the air. But he did have several top... Um, uh, top 15 finishes throughout the year. Again, very much more of a best ball guy. Are we a bit more intrigued by him now going to the AAC? Again, another conference that, as John Lobb so kindly puts it, is defensively challenged. Are we a bit more intrigued by his upside at USF week in and week out than we would have been at Baylor? What do you think, Justin? Yeah, this was one of the ones that more that caught my attention, especially for this season. Um, given that it's, it's no secret that I'm a Clemson guy. I accredit a lot of their offensive success to the guy at, at South Florida more so than I do the guy coaching Virginia right this second. Um, I think that this is a very good landing spot for him. I mean, if Jeff Scott can almost get Kelly Bryant to 3,000 passing yards at Clemson, this is a pretty good landing spot for Bo Hannon. Uh, given that he just went for 2,200 last year at Baylor. Uh, the defenses in the Big 12 are a lot better than they once were, and it is, it, it's a good landing spot. It is one of those things, though, that I, I've made a point uh, just on Twitter. Like, you know, McLean, it, it does not bode well for McLean with Bohannon coming in there. I'm not counting him out entirely, but I do. The thing that I've said most about McLean all, all offseason is that he's got a lot of talent, a lot of athleticism, but he needs to learn to throw the football. Mm-hmm. Um, not that Bo Hannon is some elite passer, but given his dual threat abilities, he can throw the football well enough to open options up for himself. Whereas I don't think McLean quite has that down yet. Uh, South Florida already had some pretty talented wide receivers in Dollison and, of course, Jimmy Horn, uh, who a lot of people are very high on, have added a ton of talent in the offseason as well at that position. Um, could be could be a very big potential transfer there for the 2022 season in terms of USF success as well as for fantasy rosters, you know, right now I don't have him ranked super high because he just came over there. 
Um, but it'll be interesting to see how these practice reports shake out in the fall and just see if everything's coming back positive on them. If it is, I'm very much inclined to pick up some shares. Yeah, and like you, you mentioned that they accrued talent through the transfer portal at wide receiver, giving him plenty of options. Like those two guys that like the ones that stuck out to me were a Joe Joe out of Clemson, uh, which who, who got plenty of hype coming out of the spring last year. Uh, again, he's now at South Florida, and then Joffrey Brown, Deami Brown's little brother, um, coming out of UNC, going over to South Florida. Like, again, they're not lacking with weapons, and if they can get a QB, they can at least just deliver the ball to them. This offense could be very, very intriguing. And like I said, again, it's not like the AAC plays a ton of defense, so they don't even have to be that good in order to be able to accrue so, uh, a ton of yards and points. So, alrighty. With that being said, let's go ahead and hit our final quarterback here we're going to talk about mr grant gannell quarterback out of memphis formerly before that out of arizona transferring out again and has now made his way over to north texas so justin what are your overall thoughts on this one is this intriguing to you whatsoever or do you think this is like gannell is just a journeyman at this point we're never going to get anything out of him what do you think uh this one's intriguing to me mainly because i'm not a big austin Ani believer um, Ani just didn't give me a whole lot to work with last year for a guy that's in that offense. Like the North Texas offense is, is designed for like, if you're half decent at quarterback, you should be able to produce at North Texas True. and neither him nor Jay, uh, Jace Ruder were able to produce at all for this team last year. Uh, Gunnell transferring there does intrigue me. You know, he was like, Half successful in an Arizona offense led by Kevin Sumlin. So you know it was bad. Mm -hmm. And then he goes on to Memphis. And given what we know about Seth Hennigan now, it's actually very impressive that he was pushing him for that long. Because mm -hmm. uh, Seth Hennigan played pretty dang good last year. And I'm kind of expecting him to take a next step this season, given that he's gotten his freshman season out the way. And uh, Memphis has also acquired some talent here in the offseason, especially with a guy that you like from Northern Illinois with Jay Ducker. Yep. Um, the only issue with Gunnell is just we have not seen him play in quite a while. Mm -hmm. Did not didn't play last year because he was injured for most of the season, and when he came back, it did just they ever, he, there was. Did they ever disclose what the injury was? Because that's that's one thing that drives me nuts about Memphis is that they they, they lock and key what players' injuries are over there. Like, yeah, they, they lock and key a lot of stuff, man. Like, there's some schools, like Old Dominion, you can't find anything about because there's nothing. Like, mm -hmm. you just simply cannot find anything. And when it comes to Memphis, it's like, you don't know anything because we don't want you to. Mm -hmm. And so that's kind of how they handle everything. I'm not entirely sure what his injury was, but I know it it occurred sometime late in the fall. He was out for most of the season. And when he came back, it was too little too late for him to get time. Yeah. So I'm interested to see how he does. I like Seth Luttrell's system. Um, would love to see a half-decent quarterback there just so we can get these good North Texas receivers back. I was, that was going to be um, my next question. Which receivers do you think are going to benefit the most out of this? I don't know. I'd love to see Jer Shorter be the beneficiary out of it, given that he's coming back from injury and we've seen him have some potential there. Uh, but it's just so hard to tell, given that it was so 
so all around, so all over the place mm-hmm. last season. Um, I know that you got a former Georgia boy there. Yeah, Tommy Bush. Pretty good. He, he recorded all of three receptions last year, <laughs> but he was also injured for a good chunk of that still. But and so it's just it's so hard to it's so hard to know which one of those guys is going to be the guy because, like you said, Bush was hurt. Like I mentioned, Shorter was hurt for a lot of the season last year. Burns was and all so, right. Never got any touchdowns. Burns was Burns was really solid. He just, like you said, never got any touchdowns. And given that Ani was just so inconsistent, so was Burns. Mm-hmm. And so if we can, if Gannell's just at least consistent, I feel like we can get those North Texas receivers back. Um, but it's just a we'll we'll see how it goes. I'm rooting for him. I'll, I, I'm a sucker for a kid with injury problems his whole career. I'm a sucker for an underdog, man. Yeah, I think that's pretty much everybody's reaction to this one has been. It's like, all right, can we finally get a decent quarterback situation in North Texas? Because it's again, it, it sucked the last couple of years under Ani, and then splitting like every time we. It, it's also the running back position as well because like every time yeah. we think we have a great like North Texas running back to rely on, they get injured, and then you just you think you're gonna get the next one, and then they split it up between everybody, and you're just they're just like this entire system has been crap the last couple of years and it's not like they haven't been scoring points it's just we have no clue how to predict it yeah it's been it's been difficult it's been difficult since uh i'm spacing on the last really good guy that they had over there mason fine since fine left it's kind of all been really inconsistent and hard to predict so hopefully Mm -hmm. this brings a taste of consistency back to north texas for at least for our sakes I would love to have Burns in my top 10 next year. Would love to have him in the top 10. Just need to get a little bit of something this year. Exactly. All right, before we move on from transfers, I'm just going to run through a list of guys that I think are like semi-interesting just to throw the names out there for you to write them down, look them up yourself and everything. Uh, and then Justin, at the end of it, if there's anybody that you really feel like you really want to talk about, uh, feel free to just kind of throw in like a quick 30-second uh, pitch for them. Parker Navarro, quarterback at a UCF, transferring over to Ohio. That could be interesting for MAC purposes. I mentioned earlier Cam Johnson, uh, wide receiver out of Arizona, out of Vanderbilt, going to Arizona State. Amir Abdul Rahman, another wide receiver out of Vanderbilt, is going over to Ball State. Cody Brown, uh, former second string running back for Miami last year, mostly out of necessity, but he's going over to Virginia. Could be interesting in a Tony Elliott system there. Uh, Brew McCoy officially now transferring from UCF to Tennessee has kind of been one of those like terribly held secrets for a while there. Matt Landers transferring out of Toledo. I find that one interesting because like he was actually in a pretty good position to do really well this year as a deep threat for them, but he's, he's transferring out of Toledo. And then finally, the best name in all of college football is heading over to Oklahoma from Juco. And that is quarterback general booty. Yes, that is a real name. If that isn't the most marketable player in all of college football, I don't know who would be. With a name like that, I don't know how this dude doesn't. This dude could be a backup quarterback for the rest of his career, and I don't see how he doesn't make several millions of dollars just for having the name General Booty. Like, just sign a marketing deal with just one team, one or just one one company, just one. That's all you need. And another tidbit to throw in here. So on top of this, so I love Navarro. 
love the move for, for Navarro going to Central, going to Ohio from Central Florida, just based on how he was used at, at Central Florida. Um, and another note, just check 247, and Matt Landers has been crystal ball to Arkansas. Interesting. I mean, he's following, I, following, following Pittman, huh? I guess so. It was one of those things that I just I, – I, I saw that, and I'm like, I think me and you both were rather skeptical when Landers went into the transfer portal. I think I remember you commenting on it via Twitter um, to where it was like – it's like, I mean, he was solid, but I don't know that I really see him making any sort of significant jump. Yeah, like, and, I, like, like I thought he had a pretty good position there at Toledo. Like but it was, I thought Arkansas he had a pretty solid role there, and it's just one of those things. It's like now it's like okay, they must not believe in what they have and think that maybe Landers might be the guy to come in there to do it, or at least give them something consistent. I don't want to be mean, so, but that would, might be a mistake. <laughs> it very well could be. I mean, the the transfer portal giveth and the transfer portal taketh away. I have seen many a good player go from lower G5 or FCS up to FBS and do great things. And I have seen people make some very poor decisions going from one place to the other. And so it, if he goes to Arkansas, it's going to be one of those ones that's like, are you really sure about this, buddy? Yeah, you, sure about you better this? be. All righty. With that being said, let's go ahead and move on to the actual meat of today's podcast. Again, we're already 30 minutes in, but you guys know how we roll around here. We'll go ahead and get started into this. Before we really get into it, though, I do want to give a shout out to some of the people on Twitter. I did ask some people what they thought their most overvalued players in CFF were currently. And I'm going to throw out some names here that people said that we're not going to be talking about otherwise. Uh, Chris K, he's been on the show before. He threw out Marvin Mims and Zach Kuntz in tight end premium leagues. Uh, CK, also been on the show before. He threw out Jaden Reed, wide receiver out of Michigan State. Uh, Justin Nottingham, he's a friend of the show. Uh, he threw out wide receiver Josh Downs out of UNC. Um, Nate Marquise, he's been on the show several times. You guys know and love him. Uh, he's saying St- Stefan Cobbs is being overvalued right now. He threw Milton Wright out there, but this is right before we learned that Milton Wright's no longer with the team. Um, and then Mitch Hart, also a friend of the show, and he's been on before. You guys, have, you guys know him. He threw out Zay Flowers as somebody that he thinks he's being way, way overhyped right now, going several rounds ahead of guys like Trayvon Rudolph and Puka Nasua. So want to give those guys a little shout-out because I really appreciate you guys whenever you do actually respond to the questions I put out on Twitter. <laughs> so all of you, love y'all to death. Let's go ahead and get into this. So, Justin, we're going to get into each of us have five players that we think are kind of being overvalued in CFF. These first two, they're a part of the same team. They kind of have similar reasons, so I kind of threw them here together. And that is quarterback Brennan Armstrong and wide receiver Dontavian Wicks. I just realized I spelled Dontavian's name wrong. I always do this. There's always one graphic. <laughs> anyway, Brennan Armstrong, <clears throat> Dontavian Wicks, Virginia offense. Why are we down on these guys? I'll fill in any holes that you don't already touch on. Uh, I have already mentioned earlier that I'm not the biggest fan of Tony Elliott. Um, being the, being the Clemson guy that I am, uh, I have largely accredited to anybody who has talked to me about it. The offensive successes earlier in Trevor Lawrence's career. And during that 18 season, 
like basically any time after Chad Morris, I believe that a lot of that should be accredited to, accredited to Jeff Scott. I was so disappointed when he took the South Florida job because I thought that Elliot was going to take it. Um, yeah, Elliot has just had a Elliot has just had a very vanilla offense, and I think it's just been masked by like very talented players over the past several years. Um, and now he's going up to Virginia. It's a very large switch offensive system wise yep. going from a heavy passing offense to more than likely a heavy running offense. Um, and on top of it, so you had Armstrong. I will let you take your Armstrong thoughts. Uh, I threw Wicks on here. I love Dontavian Wicks. Uh, going into last season, I liked the reports and several best balls. I was able to take him because nobody else was taking Wicks. And so I was taking him super late. It was fantastic. He's going rather early this year, and I I hate to say it, but the system just is not is not going to track for him. They bring back Lavelle Davis Jr., who is six foot six and is also a field stretcher. Yep. Um, it just there's going to be a lot of mouths to there's going to be a lot of mouths to feed in that offense because they also bring back Billy Kemp. They also bring back Keaton Thompson, who I also have no idea how they're going to use. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I sure hope to God that he delegates that to his offensive coordinator because Tony Elliott's not going to know how to use Keaton Thompson. With this system, I would love for them to make him the starting running back, but I seriously doubt that that's going to happen. And so I'm, I'm much more down on Wicks. I think that he's super cheap. At, in some drafts, depending on where you're at, and then there's some drafts where you just like have to take them a lot earlier than you want to, and I just don't think it. I don't think the payoff is there for him. So I'll let you hit on Armstrong. I'll, I'll throw out Wicks real quick. Um, in terms of the fact that in the latest mock draft that we did, he was the 14th wide receiver taken off the board in round four. I don't want any part of that. This is a guy mm-hmm. that. First of all, already kind of overperformed his efficiency last year. Like he almost had 30 yards of catch last year, which is friggin' insane for any kind of wide receiver. Um, so like I'm not planning on him to repeat that again. And especially if he's gonna get, there's gonna be even less passing volume to go around. I don't think we're gonna. He's not gonna perform up to a wide receiver 14 range whatsoever. Brandon Armstrong, you, I touched on the same things here. Tony Elliott's now the head coach. He was an offensive coordinator, so you know he's going to be involved in the planning of the offense at least somewhat. This isn't like Brett Venables going over Oklahoma where he's like, okay, I'm a defensive guy. I'll leave this over to Jeff Levy or Kirby Smart where he's like, I'll leave this over to Todd Monken now. No, Elliott's an offen- a quote-unquote offensive guy, and so he's going to want to be involved in this somewhat. This is going to reduce the passing for Brandon Armstrong quite heavily. It would be interesting to see if he tries to use Armstrong's legs a little bit more because Armstrong actually had a reduction in the number of runs he had last year, even though he finishes QB uh, QB three. He had less than a hundred rushing attempts, although he made up for that in the fact that he overperformed his rushing touchdowns. He had nine rushing touchdowns on 250 rushing yards. So I expect that to come down as well. I don't think he's going to be able to perform nine touchdowns again. And overall, he's being taken as the QB9 right now. This is around guys like, uh, hold on, let me put up the ADP real quick. 
I mean, this is in the same range as like your Will, Le- um, not Will Levis, Will Rogers, not Will Levis. Um, yeah, this is in the same ranges as your like Sam Hartman's, Will Rogers, uh, Hendon Hooker's, Cameron Ward's. I'll take every single one of those guys over Brandon Armstrong. And there's guys behind it that I'd rather take: Garrett Schrader, KJ Jefferson, Dylan Gabriel, Aiden O'Connell, Anthony Rich. I take a shot on Anthony Richardson before I take a shot on Brandon Armstrong at this point. So. I'm off the Virginia offense for the most part. I will see how it kind of shakes up after the season. I'm not planning on investing too much into this. Alrighty, let's go ahead and move on. Now we're going to be splitting up here, and we're going to talk about each of our players individually. I'm going to throw my first guy out here, and that's going to be Mr. Lou Nichols III, out of the running back out of Central Michigan. And it really breaks my heart because I hopped on to him last year big time when uh, Kobe Lewis went down with injury right before the season started. I was able to pick him up in so many different drafts, and he carried me so hard late in that year last year. Uh, Nicholas finishes the RB3 last year. I totally get why people are excited about him, but there's two things that are really kind of rubbing me the wrong way on this. First of all, Kobe Lewis is coming back, so they are going to split that backfield between those two. He's not getting 300 and 41 rushing carries again this year, guys. He's not going to get 40 receptions through the year. I just don't see that happening again. Um, but he could still do that. And um, like, it's still possible for him to get in that running back eight range, even with Lewis there. So what am I really worried about? Well, I'm really worried about this new offensive coordinator. They're bringing in Mr. Paul Petrino, who has been the head coach over at the Idaho Vandals since 2013. Last year, he ran a split backfield, and only one of his rushers got over 500 yards and had, I believe, like 119 carries total. And I think he had like 502 yards. I can't remember the number off the top of my head. Uh, and in since 2013, since he's been the head coach at Idaho Vandals, he only had 2,000-yard rushers and only one 200-touch-plus back. I'm a, like, again... I'm sure he is smart enough to realize that Lou Nichols is a very, very good back for him to use, and he should get him plenty of carries. But again, this is going to be reduct. Like, there's going to be some serious reduction for Lou Nichols this upcoming year from the nearly almost 400 touches he got last year. That's not happening again this year, and it's not somebody that I'm willing to take a shot on where he's going right now. He's currently going as the RB8 right now in like the mid-second round. Miss me with that. I'll probably grab somebody else there. What are your thoughts on this, Justin? I, I completely understand your argument. Um, here this year, I've kind of had my own draft strategy when it comes to uh, when it comes to the drafts that I've taken a part of. It's very beneficial to go skill position early mm-hmm. in the several first several rounds, and then take quarterbacks later because they're still really solid talent. Uh, and by later, I don't mean like near the end of your draft. No, I mean no, like. No. I can go six or seven rounds before I take a quarterback. And by that time I get a really solid quarterback and I'm stacked mm-hmm. at skill positions. Um, there was a draft that I was in here recently where I was number 10 of 12 teams. And so I was right there around the elbow. And, you know, by that point in time, you know, there was no chance I was getting beyond. Yeah. Uh, or I guess there may have been some chance I would have had to have consulted the, uh, consulted the draft projector tool to see that would have been one of those Jim Carrey. So you're saying there's a chance, (laughs) Uh, 
type I'm of moments. Now, but, I'm looking it up. <laughs> but there was no chance I was getting behind. And I just got to that. I just got – when it got to 10, at that point in time, there was no Ali. There was no Robinson. Yeah. There was no Henderson. And so I'm like, I would rather just take Tillman mm-hmm. from Tennessee at this point in time and then the next round go Tucker than take Lou Nichols right here because Kobe exactly. Lewis is very talented, missed the year last year. The offensive coordinator isn't very favor- favorable. The only time I will take Nichols is if he drops past all these other guys to like maybe if I can get him as like RB10 or 11. Mm-hmm. I might would pick him up because at that point he's a value, but it's just, I'm not, this isn't going to be one of my first two picks. This just is not my guy. And you're not going to get him as your third pick unless this argument is super convincing to everybody. and He starts dipping into the third round. I'll be real. If he starts dipping into the third round and like, God forbid he got somehow gotten to the fourth round, I'm going to take a shot on him there. Like, oh, there's absolutely. Too much, there's too much upside there, but like currently where he's going, which is like the early to mid second round, I don't want part of that. By the way, I did look up uh, Bijan Robinson. Of likelihood, he's available there at the tenth pick. You have a zero point three percent chance that he makes it to the tenth pick. So there is a chance. So there is a chance. Uh, I'm curious <laughs> now. Eleventh pick, and oh, we're at point one. We're at point one, and the twelfth pick. Yeah, he gone. <laughs> There. <laughs> so, so you're saying there is no chance at 12 but there's like a 0.3 percent you have to be drafting with people who've like never watched college football exactly. a day in their life to be able to get him at 10 or 11 exactly exactly all righty you have anything else you want to say on Lou Nichols before we move on to your first guy or second guy I technically th- I think I'm good to go man all right let's go ahead and move on to your guy you got Zach Evans running back out of Old Miss Transferred over from TCU. Justin, why is he being so overvalued in CFF right now? So according to you guys, according to your data, he is RB12. That is very high for me. Um, I have not even contemplated taking Evans because he's always gone far before I would take him. Uh, Going to Ole Miss when he first announced it, that seemed to me like a fantastic fit. Uh, given that we have seen some very productive backs out of Lane Kiffin, things of that nature. And then not long after that, they pick up Ulysses Bentley from SMU. And it's not that Ulysses Bentley is in any way more talented than Zach Evans is. It's more just a matter of over the last several seasons, we've seen Ole Miss run three or four different running backs throughout the game, all with their own different roles to it's at a point to where it's I could easily see Zach Evans topping like a thousand yards and Ulysses Bentley getting like 10 plus touchdowns. Yep. And it's so you're just there's just no way. And from all reports that I've seen, Zach Evans has been saying himself that he went to Ole Miss because he knows that he's not going to get road hard so that he can make it to the NFL. Mm-hmm. You know, they got Charlie Weiss Jr. doing running the offense there now. And so a lot of us are thinking. Come on, Devin Singletary part two. But this just this just ain't going to be it. I don't see really any other way that this is not a big running back by committee again this season. And that, like, I'm sure that there will be games where Evans shows out, but it's just not going to be a consistent every week thing. So uh, 
I would much rather take somebody else around the same time period. You know, I'm looking at a draft that I did recently. Um, you know, I guess before the last two weeks, Chris Rodriguez was going after him. I would have taken him over Zach Evans. Devin Akane from Texas A&M is a guy that I like that I would take over Evans. And Isaiah Bowser from Central Florida is going super cheap right now, too, yep. for a guy that was getting like 30 carries a game last year. And so uh, those are guys that I would much prefer to take over Evans at that spot than what you're getting right this second. So I'm, I'm off the Evans train. From a CFF standing, from an NFL prospect, oh, yeah. I'm down. It's like the same thing with Gibbs at Georgia Tech last year. Love Gibbs as a prospect. Don't like him in practice. Mm -hmm. Like him a whole lot better at Alabama than I did at Georgia Tech. I liked Evans a whole lot better at TCU than I did at Ole, do at Ole Miss. Yeah. I'm looking at my rankings right now because I was curious to see where I had Evans. I have, I have him as currently as RB35. And, like, there's a whole litany of guys that are going after him constantly in drafts that I'd much rather take. And I'll, I'll throw some deeper names out there that I think people might be surprised I'm willing to take him over him. Uh, first of all, Ty Edwards at, at UTSA. I'd much rather have him. Jairo Brock, Iowa State. Chase Brown, Illinois, Titus Swen, Wyoming. You mentioned some of the other ones here. Like, again, guys like Devin H. and Chris Rodriguez, Isaiah Bowser, Dwayne McBride, Jordan Mims. These are all guys that are constantly going after Evans, and there are so many I would just happily take over Evans. I, I agree with you 100%. He's being way overvalued uh, for a guy that, again, like you said, he's been out and said that he doesn't want to be ridden like a bell cow, but he's currently being drafted like a bell cow. And I just don't think people are going to get the return and investment that they want out of him if that's the mindset he's going into this with. Alrighty, so I guess that means we can move on to our next guy here. And we're going to go from one SEC running back to another. And I am going to touch on Mr. Tank Bigsby here, currently going around the RB19 range, which is right at the end of the fourth round, it looks like. Last year, he had 223 carries for a thousand, uh, just over 1,000 yards and 10 touchdowns. Um, the thing about Bigsby is, like, he, again, he's being drafted as the RB19 right now, but he just finished as the RB44 last year. And he was being drafted extremely high last year. I think we're making the exact same mistake again this year. Now, granted, not as high. I think he was being drafted as, like, the... Good lord, what was he being drafted as last year? Uh, running back stats. He was being. I think I had him ranked top ten last he was, year. He was be, he was being taken as the RB six last year. So we've like come down yeah. a little bit, but like this isn't a situation that's going to be conducive for him unless they really start passing him out of the backfield. Grant, he got twenty one receptions last year, but like I want to see more of that. Otherwise, I think he could be game scripted out of games this year. Auburn's going to be a terrible football team this year. Their quarterback situation somehow got worse, even with Bo Nix leaving. Um, we already saw Tank Bigsby did try to enter the portal at one point already and was convinced to come back due to like due to some NIL negotiations they were able to get to. But they could, like, from what it seems like, he doesn't want to be there. 
Like, it doesn't sound like Harson has a great relationship with really any of his players, From um, if all the rumors are to be believed. I don't think this is going to be a truly functional team this year, and it's a, really just something I don't want any part of this year. Even if I love Tank Bigsby as a prospect, like, again, I like you kind of said with Zach Evans, he's going to be fun in the NFL. I think he's going to be great next year if you're looking for him in the Devi or C2C. But for CFF, I don't want any part of Tank Bigsby this year. It's one of those things. He's going to need a lot of touches. He's going to have to get a lot of touches because, you know, Zach Calzada gets a lot of credit for beating Alabama, which he should. Like, that's not an easy feat to do. But it's one of those things. It's like the team around him is so talented. Texas A&M is loaded with talent. They don't utilize all of it except for running backs. But the, the talent that is there, and so – that has to take some credit to it. Auburn does not have the same talent that Texas A&M does around him, especially at wide receiver. I don't think really anybody has an idea of who's going to be even worth looking at in the Auburn offense outside of Tank Bigsby. Yep. And so it's going to be one of those things for Tank to live up to his current standing. He's going to need a whole lot of carries, and they're going to have to pitch it to him out the backfield a whole lot. Because TJ Finley just – I've heard a whole lot about Finley having this phenomenal arm. I have not seen it. Nope. I have heard similar things about Calzada. I have not seen it. Maybe Robbie Ashford, the Oregon transfer, is yep. the guy that's going to come in and change everything. But I just – I'm going to have to see it. There just is not a whole lot to write off of here. And Tank, like you said, there's no real other offensive weapons that Auburn can really take advantage of. So Bigsby's probably going to have to deal with a stacked box against him constantly because nobody's really yeah. scared of the Auburn passing attack right now. And if I'm not mistaken, Harold Joyner is injured, like mm-hmm. pretty significantly injured. And so there's not even like a, you come out and take a break for a second, we'll put Joyner in for the game. No, it's all oh, you, buddy. Oh. Oh, don't forget about Jarquez Hunter as well. That's what I meant. Hunter, not Joyner. Although Harold Joyner, I believe, was a different Auburn running back. Yeah, I think just not the one that I was meeting. Yeah. Yes. Jarquez Hunter is who I was intending on referring to. I believe he is injured. Yeah. And so it's it's one of those things that he's going to have to get a freaking ton of touches and has to do something with those touches. If Auburn's going to have any chance of doing anything, and if he's going to have any chance of reaching his current current standing, mm-hmm. again, I could see Bigsby as a guy you start when they're playing their FCS opponent or they're playing Akron again. I don't know the Auburn schedule off the top of my head, but like you know, every every team has those one or two cupcake games that they play against. I could see you, I could see you starting Tank Bigsby there. That's probably where he's going to pad his stats. But like once you get into conference play. I don't want any part of Tank Bigsby, and that's not what I'm looking for in the RB19 range as like as my second RB off the board. Absolutely not. Let's go ahead and move on to your next guy here, Justin. You got quarterback Colin Schley out of Kent State. Out of your five guys that you brought today, like this was the only one that like I didn't immediately agree with. So I'm curious to hear your argument here, and I want to see if you sway me on him at all. And so I, I'm a big trust the system guy. So I get the trust the system argument for Kent state. They've been very productive over the last several years with Dustin Crum there. 
Um, I just, you know, there's just a whole lot where I've seen Schley play, like especially like with their spring games and stuff like that. He did really solid this year. I wasn't the biggest fan of him last year. I thought there was a big talent gap between him and Crum last year. Um, I guess he does have one advantage in that he didn't sleep with one of his wide receiver's girlfriends. And so his players like him, uh, unlike Crum. So he does have that leg up on him. But uh, it's just one of those things I'm going to have to see a little bit out of him. It is a murderer's row the first four weeks for Kent State schedule-wise. They start off the year against Washington, which – I've given Washington a whole lot of crap over the last year, last several years. Love the Kalen DeBoer hire. I don't think I like another hire this this offseason more than the Kalen DeBoer hire. Mm-hmm. But it, it's one of those things that Washington has been especially great on defense over the past several years, especially at defensive back. That's going to be hard to beat. Oklahoma was already getting better on defense before Mm -hmm. Lincoln Riley left. And now you have one of the best defensive minds in college football running the whole team. So that's just going to be difficult. A brief, a brief break from hell against LIU. And then they get Georgia on the road. And so when it comes to Slee, like you're, I've seen him taken and one recent draft, over let's see here if i can find him right here he went earlier than dorian thompson robinson he went earlier than grayson mccall he went earlier than daquan finn from toledo who i like a lot uh went earlier than frank harris at utsa who i think is going to be a lot as like a lot better than most people expect he does lose mccormick but he brings a whole lot back and I hate that I didn't get in on the Ty Edwards hype earlier than I have because I've actually liked him since I saw that they signed him from Juco, but never voiced it. And so now everybody's going to be like, yeah, right, Justin. I'm sure that I'm sure you were, (laughs) but like I I do, I have taken him in several best balls before he was even talked about on social media. So I think Frank Harris has got a lot to work with. He was taken earlier than Jackson Dart who, like I mentioned earlier, had his weird moments in the spring game, but there's a lot of potential there. And so there's just guys, Shevin Cordero, Logan Bonner, who both I've seen do well mm-hmm. and can do it on the field. And so it's just one of those things. It's like you have to trust the system to some to some extent, and that's why I'm willing to rank him somewhat higher, but I don't know that I want to take him over guys like that he was even taking over anthony richardson who i'm like i would never take colin schley over anthony richardson because ar-15 can run like crazy and so it's just it's one of those things i get this i get the system argument and i get that he does have a similar skill set to dustin crumb it's just one of those things i haven't seen him play he hasn't had a whole lot of opportunities to start for this team hasn't had a whole lot of opportunity to play and his welcoming committee consists of Washington, Oklahoma, and Georgia to start the year off. And I'm just – I don't want any part of a player who I've never seen play and I have to wait four weeks to play him. Yeah, like I've, I've kind of come around on the thought process of the idea of like some of these MAC players, you know what you're getting into when it comes to their out-of-conference schedules. That's why you don't take them in like the top – as like you 
if you're drafting Colin Schley as one of your top two quarterbacks, you need to have an intervention for your team. Like, that, that you're, you're, you're making a terrible, terrible mistake. I'm more inclined to grab him, stash him away for those later weeks, especially since that is the range he's going in. So I don't think he's quite overvalued. I agree with you that he is in that tier two of quarterbacks where everybody's rankings are so different. And you're right. Like, there's so many guys you named there, like Frank Harris, like Anthony Richardson, guys like that, that I probably would take over Colin Schley. But I don't entirely blame somebody for just grabbing him, stashing him for the upside later on in the season. Um, so again, to me, it's like it's overvalued, like on a draft by draft basis, rather than like overall. If that makes sense. Yeah, I get you. So, but I, I definitely understand. I definitely understand where you're coming from. Where it, I can imagine, like you see Colin Schley go off the board, and you're like, "Alrighty, well." There's so many better quarterbacks. I'm getting at a much better deal now that he's off the board this early. So that's kind of my thought process on Colin Schley. Let's talk about this next one. Oh boy. This one pains me to say. But Brock Bowers, we got to talk about Brock Bowers, y'all. Uh, a tight end out of Georgia, if you've been living under a rock. Uh, currently the tight end one in ADP. It hurts me as a Georgia fan to say, y'all, but he's overvalued in CFF big time right now. Man is going almost a full round before Michael Meyer. I was on board with the idea that Bowers and Myers were in their own tier, and thus seeing them go both go in like the third round or even in the fourth round, I'm like, okay, that makes sense. And then the, uh, the next group of tight ends go way later. That made sense to me, but for him to go almost a full round before Michael Meyer just doesn't even make any sense, especially given the fact that more and more questions are starting to arise of like, can he repeat the performance he had last year? First of all, touchdown regression is coming for this man. He scored 14 touchdowns on 959 scrimmage yards on only 60 touches. That is an absurd, absurd efficiency in terms of scoring. That is only, that is a touchdown on almost one out of every four touches that he gained on the year. That's not happening again. And again, guys, I love Brock Bowers. He is so talented. But again, I don't think that is going to be happening again, especially since Eric Gilbert and Darnell Washington are going to be seeing a more red zone work. They have three big um, receiving tight ends. They are going to be utilizing him. That's going to just lead to more touchdown regression for Brock Bowers. I don't see how he's going to be this clear tight end one. I'm very close to putting to taking him out of tight end one altogether for my tight end rankings because again I, I again I love him he's so talented but again things are just starting to pile up for me to say like I'm not going to own any Brock Bowers if he continues to go this high especially when I can get a Michael Meyer of round later later I can get a Zach Koontz like three rounds later I can get a Michael Trigg like four or five rounds later. I don't see this big gap between Brock Bowers and everybody else right now. Justin, what are your thoughts on this? I've seen, I've seen Bowers, I believe, taken as high as the second round so far this season. Nobody, I haven't seen anybody take him in the first round. No so first that's, yet. that's a good start for this conversation. <laughs> but I, I think I have to agree with you. on like For a tight end to be taken that high for me, it has to be some sort of 
either strange usage tight end or he has to get like an ungodly amount of reception. So like a Cole Turner Mm -hmm. from the past several seasons who gets like an ungodly amount of receptions, Jalen Samuels, when he was at NC state, like that dude was registered as a tight end and was getting multiple carries a game. Yep. Um, I think we'd be talking more about uh, the kid that Rice had last year had he not transferred to wherever he ended up, whatever FCS school he ended up at uh, this past offseason. I think we'd be talking more about that kid if he wouldn't have, like I said, wouldn't have relegated where he went. And so to me, I think I think you have made a fair argument as far as touchdown regression goes that 14 is going to be hard to get. Um, especially on only you 60 also, touches. Especially on 60 touches, that is quite a scoring rate that you have there, like per on a per reception basis. On top of that, like I've seen the I have seen the arguments and the hype around Gilbert. I think Gilbert is a very talented player. Um, and can certainly eat into that. Washington, I think, could be a freaking nightmare if he was utilized mm-hmm. and healthy. Um, I certainly see the argument for Washington being thrown in there as well. And on top of that, I'm just not the firmest of believers in Stetson Bennett. All, all praise to him for what he did last season, being able to guide Georgia to the national championship I don't think that should be discredited from him. Mm-hmm. Uh, like I've seen every argument against why Georgia, like why Georgia's national championship shouldn't have mattered. At the end of the day, my my statement is this: as a Clemson fan, shut up. They won. <laughs> like in the record book, thirty years from now, it's going to reflect that Georgia won the tw- the twenty twenty one national championship game. Like, that is the case. That is it. it nobody's going to say 30 years from now, well, if they would have had Jamison Williams there, well, if they would have had whoever, it doesn't matter. That is a part of football. You could have very well ended up with Brock Bowers blowing his knee out that game, and then everybody be making the same argument. Say, well, Alabama might not have won if Brock Bowers wouldn't have gotten hurt. And so it's just – it's a circle of BS. We all mm-hmm. need to quit talking about it. But – I'm just not the biggest believer in Stetson Bennett and his full ability as as a quarterback. And I think that there is some regression in that aspect to where more teams are going to figure out how to stop him next year after seeing him for a season. And like you've already mentioned with Gilbert, as well as several other players that Georgia has that are very talented uh, with Arian out there with um, Kendall Milton out of the back. Eighty. A.D. Mitchell, Kiaris is back. Uh, Kiaris Johnson, K.J. is back. And so you, there's a lot of guys that are going to be in the mix that will be able to catch more passes, whereas last year you had Brock Bowers as like the definitive wide receiver one because Pickens was out all season long. Yeah. There's, there's going to be some level of regression, and I'm for sure not taking Bowers that high. Yeah. And you, you mentioned, like, defensive coordinators figuring out Sitz and Bennett. They're also going to be figuring out Brock Bowers a little bit. Like, guys, I love Brock yeah. Bowers. He is probably the most talented tight end I've ever had. Uh, I've ever been able to lay my own personal eyes upon. He is a freak to watch in person. But he was a freshman last year. 
Nobody really saw his breakout coming in freshman year. Everybody's eyes were on Darnell Washington. Then he got hurt, and Bowers got his chance. There's going to be some. They're going to be more focused on him this up, upcoming year, and that's again where I think guys like Eric Gilbert and Darnell Washington are going to feast a little bit more because they're going to be all focused on Bowers and then forget that Georgia has two, well, three if you count Oscar Delp, other freaks of nature at tight end. So. We've talked about Brock Bowers long enough. Let's go ahead and move on to your next guy here, Justin. You got Brian Cobbs, wide receiver out of Utah State. I'm a little hurt by this because I was probably the first person to throw Brian Cobbs' name out there. But if he is going so high, I'm willing to acknowledge that there is a point where you do not take him. What are you seeing, Justin? Uh, this could be another guy where it was a more on a draft, uh, a uh a draft to draft basis. Um, but when it comes to, you know, Utah state last year, Devin Tompkins was definitively the guy mm-hmm. like that was definitively going to be the guy. And that's why like me, Kyle Francis and Nate, like fist fought each other, every draft for him. And this year, I do believe that Cobbs has a very strong chance of being that guy. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is a matter of they have multiple guys in that room that could also end up being that guy yeah. or at least get in the way of him doing it. Uh, Xavier Williams, who transferred in from Alabama, uh, hasn't necessarily seen the haven't necessarily seen the reports from him that I'd like, but he's certainly talented and he's there. Justin McGriff is getting a lot of praise. Um, a kid that I liked last spring who is a sophomore now by the name of Nine Davis is out there. And he did really, really well in the spring. And so there's just a lot of names that are in that room that it's so hard for me to get around Brian Cobbs going as early as I've seen him. I think I've seen him gone as early as round seven. There's no reason for Cobbs to be going round seven. I've got a draft up here right now where uh, Cobbs has gone ahead of guys like Torrey Horton and Dante Wright. From Colorado State, which mm-hmm. both of those guys, I I I take him over Dante right, mostly because it sounds like Dante might be a second stringer at Colorado State now. I I think I can agree with your argument on that, but By I would take I'm him over, over Brian Cobbs. Yeah, because um, I have kind of cooled off on Dante Wright more, like heated up for Tory Horton based mm-hmm. on similar reports that I think that you've seen. Um, I seem to go over Tavian Robinson at Kentucky after spring. Uh, if it was before spring, I would get it. After spring, I, I don't understand it. Uh, Tavian seems to be the guy. Same thing with Jaden Bray. Before the spring, I would get it. After the spring, not anymore. Uh, Jaden Hazelwood's another guy that I've seen him go over. Ryan O'Keefe at Central Florida is a guy I've seen him go over. I'll throw and something out here just... about Jaden Hazelwood because, again, we mentioned it earlier with the rumor, but I just got the notification that Matt Landers has officially transferred to Arkansas. I also just got that notification as well. Um, and so that's, that is going to be interesting. We will definitely have to see how that one plays out. I could definitely see that one going incredibly well or very poorly for Matt Landers. Matt, if you're watching it, wish you the best, bud. Um, <laughs> wish you all the best, man. We want you to be the next Traylon Burks. Love if it. that is possible. Um, it would hurt me as a Georgia fan if, if Matt if Landers, after – I'm not going to lie, sucking for us in 2020. Uh, just went out and absolutely <laughs> balled out at Arkansas. I would, I would cry a little bit. Anyway, continuing about Cobbs. 
And so I just, just based on, like I said, this could be on a draft to draft basis. Uh, I don't know that I would take him as high as I've seen him, especially not over some guys that I mentioned on top of that, Jacob Cowling being another yeah. one. I think Cowling could be a reception sponge there at Arizona this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, big, more of a PPR guy than a, like a more than a standard receiver for Cowling. But uh, I just, I don't think I'm taking him as high as round seven or eight. He's definitely a, to me, he's more of like a, like maybe 14 to round 20 guy. Yeah, this room is the opposite of settled. And I've already made clear that I'm completely off Xavier Williams. I think people are putting way too much stock into the fact that he was a Bama receiver. He was there for three years and recorded three catches. That's like, I know it's hard to get on the field for Bama, but if you're averaging one catch per year, I'm going to say I'm off of you, and I don't think that even that translates to Utah State, especially when there's other options. I like Brian Cobbs the best out of this wide receiver room. I think he has the best chance, considering that he is a slot guy, um, and uh, Tompkins was a slot guy last year. I think Cobbs comes from a very talented wide receiver room as well and performed well at Maryland. So... I'm excited for him the most, but I agree with you. You don't take a non-settled wide receiver room, and we're going to talk about this more with the next guy I'm going to talk about. You don't take a guy from an unsettled wide receiver room as anywhere in your starting lineup. And if you're in round seven, you're still getting guys that you plan on being starters. You're not stashing guys away yet. If you're suddenly in like the round nine, 10 range, that's where I'm going to start being okay with this. But if again, in this round, like seven range, I think, again, I love Cobbs. I like him the best probably about anybody in the space right now. I'm going to say I'm off of him if he's going that high in leagues right now. I would I would much rather grab a guy like Terrell Vaughn, who's also been getting hype. So, And he's pretty much going undrafted in most leagues. All righty, let's go ahead and move on to my last guy here. This one is another one that breaks my heart because, again, I was pretty high on him. But circumstances have changed. Dejan Stribling, wide receiver out of Washington State. Again, I was super I was super high on him. With Cameron Ward going there, I'm like, all right, this Washington State offense is about to take off. Stribling is a guy that can 100% benefit from it. And similar to Utah State, this wide receiver room is just getting too, too crowded. And there's just very little evidence of Stribling being the guy. Lincoln Victor's also been getting plenty of uh, praise out of camp, so it's very likely we see plenty of him. Bernard Bell, a guy that we've been drafted the last two years, was injured last year. He's coming back, and a lot of people are hyping him up now. Rob Farrell is a wide receiver from Incarnate Word, transferring over to Washington State following his quarterback in Cameron Ward. So there's another there's another option you got to be on the watch out for because we saw how great that combo can be with Western Kentucky last year when these guys follow each other. Uh, and then, in addition, you just have another guy coming in there and Zariah Beeson out of Oregon State. I don't expect him to be like a major player or anything like that, but he's going to be just another mouth to feed there. And I'm really starting to wonder, like, if we truly know that Shribling is the guy here. And Shribling's going in round six. Again, so very clearly still drafting starters. Way too risky. He's a wide receiver 25 off the board, so he's being taken as people's, like, either a late second wide receiver for your team or an early third wide receiver for your team. 
I can't endorse that any further, especially when guys like Matt Kippenhammer and Chris Thornton are going around him. Two guys we know are going to be producing this year. Um, yeah, I I can no longer endorse Stribling going as high as he is. Justin, what are your thoughts on this? I have to agree with you. I'm looking looking at a draft result now where uh, – and uh, I, I apologize to the person that I'm about to throw under the bus because I'll probably figure out who it is. But uh, the per- he ended up getting uh, Smith and the Jigba, which is a fantastic wide receiver one. And then his wide receiver two and three were uh, Stribling and Isaiah Nayer at Texas. Um, according to Nate, the Nayer take is probably about to like spiral down the toilet because uh, Nate Marquise seems to think seems to be very confident that Addison is going to Texas. Mm-hmm. Um, which that would be huge, especially for I don't even know how I would rank Xavier Worthy and Jordan Addison if they're I on the same no team. Like I, I'm so I think that's the thing that I'm most afraid of now is having to figure out where the heck these guys are now ranked at because both of them are top ten, top five wide receivers, and so that's going to be difficult. But uh, seeing him go off the table before Traven Rudolph at NIU, considering he's probably about to be a huge reception sponge this year. Um, I like Tyrese Chambers at FIU. Mm-hmm. Um, wasn't the biggest fan of him coming back, but Mike McIntyre, especially with like LaVisca Chenault being under his belt. Um, I'm super excited to see what Chambers can do this year. Um Chris Thornton's also going after Malachi Corley at Western Kentucky's going after him. And like you said, this one's far from over. Cam Ward loves Rob Farrell. Mm-hmm. Uh, Zariah Beeson had moments where he flashed Oregon State. Lincoln Victor, despite being a former walk-on, has had really positive reports from him and camp. So uh, that'll be interesting to watch. I, I think I'm about like you, and I'm a little bit – I think there needs to be a little bit of a heat check on Stribling right about now yeah i i think he, he'll be somebody that's gonna be dropping down here soon and yeah i just looked it up rob farrell went 70 74 receptions last year 815 yards nine touchdowns from cameron ward don't tell me they're not going to try to take advantage of that chemistry again i think yeah this this is going to get very dicey for stribbling very quickly do not take stribbling as high as he is going right now in round six if you want to take a shot on him, he's he's about to get demoted big time, I think, in my rankings to where, like, he is a guy that I'm going to grab in, like, the wide receiver 50, 60 range of, like, I'm willing to take a shot because I'm not convinced whatsoever that he will be the guy anymore. Let's hit up your last guy here, Justin. You got Mr. Rakim Jarrett out of Maryland, and I have been beating this uh, anti-drum as well for a while so i'm gonna let you go ahead and start and i'll definitely pick up wherever you leave off yeah i'm just not i'm not big on the maryland the maryland wide receiver situation now uh talia tungavailoa is going to throw the football a lot he's done that since he's arrived at maryland i think he is him and spencer sanders are like the perfect best ball quarterbacks because you don't need to rely on them every week and at some point, they're going to throw for like 600 yards and five touchdowns in a game. But the next week, they're going to throw for like 150 and four picks. Yeah. And so that's just kind of how it goes. Uh, I thought that D, I thought that he had his chance last season 
to give us some hope for this year when uh, Dante Demas went down. And looking at the stats now, Demas played in five games before that freaking gruesome injury took place. Um, And he topped 100 yards on three separate occasions. Garrett played in 13 games last season, so almost – Almost 15, which would be three times what Demas played last year and also ended up with a hunt with three 100 yard games. And so, and, and there were random games where he'd just do absolutely nothing. Like against Ohio State, he had one reception for 43 yards. And I understand that Ohio State is a hard team to play against, but this was like middle to early last season. Mm-hmm. Ohio State's offense uh, defense was very beatable in the early part of last year. And so yep. at this point in time, they would have been like trying to get things figured out. And you, you're telling me that you couldn't catch more than one pass. And then later on in the year, they're going up against Michigan. Michigan's also a hard team to beat, but you only caught two passes. Mm-hmm. You couldn't get more than two passes. Yep. And then you go up against teams like Indiana, who is an absolute dumpster fire after such a successful 2020 campaign. He catches five balls, 88 yards, no touchdowns. You can't score on Indiana despite being that talented. And I don't know if it's necessarily a lack of – like a lack of talent or a lack of utilization of his own talent, lack of utilization from the Maryland coaching staff or – if everything, if we just got to throw everything at Talia, but I'm just not a firm believer in Jarrett, especially with Demas coming back and especially with the addition of Jacob Copeland, because despite the, despite the lack of production at Florida last year, Copeland's a very talented player. Um, Dan Mullen, if Dan Mullen did one good thing while he was at Florida, he recruited well, mm-hmm. which I feel like is the moral of Wait, the story. What? His whole thing was that he refused to recruit. He hated recruiting. He, uh, he could bring talented players in, man. I'm not he, saying that he hit everywhere, but he could bring some talent in. No, man. His um, whole thing is that he hated to recruit. That's why they got rid of him. Which, that, I mean, it bodes well for him to hate to recruit and be at Mississippi State because Missis- you basically can't recruit to no, Mississippi so he, State. Yes, that's why he was successful but, it's just he did he did have some talents on there. Like bringing in Emory Jones was a huge steal for him right out the gate. Um, being able to get him in there in that room over like stealing him away from I believe it was Ohio State at the time. Um, Ooh, I was he was able. Bullets. Yeah, they did, especially considering what you see, what they got instead of Emory Jones. Exactly. Like if you bring Emory Jones in, do you get Justin Fields to Ohio State? I don't okay. think that you do. Um, and it's on top of that, if you have Emory Jones in, do you have Stroud at Ohio state? Exactly. And I'm sure that there's not, I'm sure that there's not many quarterbacks in the entire nation that an Ohio state fan would trade Stroud for right this second. If there is one, I think the only one that may be in the conversation would be Bryce Young right this second, because they're not, they're not trading for yours. They sure as yep. heck ain't trading for DJU. I don't even think they trade for Bryce Young because I think they just realize how perfect of a fit Stroud is for that system. It's just and like there's not I don't know that there is a quarterback that I would prefer to have over Stroud this season if it's on my roster. And so 
like Cope back to the earlier statement. Uh, Copeland is a very good player, uh, was very underutilized, and I think that's why he got the heck out of Gainesville. Yeah. Um, I don't know that he was going to do much better even with the coaching change because Napier just has not had a whole lot of success out of his wide receivers, and that's not necessarily because he couldn't develop them. That's just his scheme. He is a ground-based coach. It's been that way since really since he was the offensive coordinator at Clemson. They were ground-based then because that was the uh, James Davis, C.J. Spiller years. Yep. Very successful on the ground, very light passing. That's what he. That was his bread and butter at Lafayette. That's going to be his bread and butter in Gainesville, which is going to be nice to have a fantasy-relevant running back that actually is deserving of the hype come out of Florida going into every season. I feel like every year there's been a guy, oh, this is going to be his year, and then it's not. Yeah. Um, but Copeland's also in the picture. They seem to have liked him throughout the spring as well. There's just going to be a lot of mouths to feed. I don't think he did enough based on his, you know, the opportunity to do so last year. And Talia is just too inconsistent for me to put my eggs in Jarrett's basket. So let's think about it this way. If you're in like a typical CFF league, What's the most number of wide receivers you're going to start? Four? Like three starters and then one flex? Uh, yeah, probably three starters and one flex is probably the my mentality going into it. So a good finish for a wide receiver, like just baseline, would be you would want them in that top 40, that top 48. Because then you're like, okay, that is like one of the like that is like one of the top 48 players. Because if you're in a 12 team league, like you feel like, all right. I got one of the top 48 guys. I'm doing well. There's not somebody typically better that I've ca- I probably could have put in there. How many top 48 wi- uh, finishes do you think Rakeem Jarrett had after Dante Demas went down last year? Let's see. Just looking at his stats now, I'd probably go two. Zero. Zero. Oh, my gosh. He had zero. Best finish he had after Demas went down was 54th. And that was in week... 10. So I am having no part of Jared. He had his chance. He blew it. I would much rather wait several rounds and grab Copeland and take a shot on him rather than try to believe in the hype of Jared once again. Yeah, exactly. I'm just, I'm not buying it. I'm not, I'm like out on any Maryland player not named Tonga Vailoa at this point. I would draft Tonga Vailoa. I would not draft another Maryland player. Mm-hmm. And that's not to say that they shouldn't be drafted. That's just a me personal preference. No, I yeah. think Again, that there I, is potential with all of them. I just don't want to have to take a chance on, man, I really need to win this week. Can I trust this player? True. Yeah, that's true. Again, I, I think Copeland's worth a shot. But again, we'll, we'll figure out very quickly whether or not he's that dude or not. And if you're in a redraft league, he's an easy cut. You don't, you're not taking him high enough to where you're going to be hesitating to cut him after one or two weeks. Alrighty, that pretty much brings us to the end of our show. Again, we finally got another pretty long one here. We've been keeping it right about an hour, but this one's going about an hour and 15, I believe. Or, or hour, no, hour 25. Again, uh, we'll see after I stitch these things together. So, Justin, really appreciate you coming on, man. Again, it was a little last minute, but again, I really appreciate you uh, taking the time to come on here discuss some of these players that we really need to kind of put some heat check on them 
been a great conversation with some of them here today. Again, just remind everybody real quick where they can find you on social media um, and then just some other stuff that you're working on. Uh, once again, you can find me at, at InsiderCFF on Twitter. Uh, a whole lot of Transfer Portal stuff. I'll have to throw Matt Landers together and tweet him right after we get done recording this. Um, so be sure to – I mean, you'll probably have already seen this by the time uh, – seen that by the time it drops. If Should you decide – should you already be following me? If you're not – Go give me a follow because I've yeah. earned it. Um, and then uh, should have some more player rankings out. Also, by the way, 2022 Kings Classic is happening. You're right. I do have the belt with me from last season. Um, so be sure that you follow along with that. Uh, the gridiron scholar, John Lobb, is doing a great job of promoting that. And I look forward to bringing it, taking it back to back this year. I look forward to actually beating you this year. Uh, <laughs> and it, it won't be by measly 0.9 points. I'm going to blow you out in the championship this year. Gosh, the fact that that was a pass and not a – the not fact a that rush. it was a reception and not a rush literally was the was determining different. factor. was, was insane. Oh, my God. Literally, I, was, I, I stayed up until 2 a.m. To, to <laughs> watch that finish, and it was probably one of the most heartbreaking things I've ever seen in my entire life. Anyway, on my side of things, again, if you're listening to this on podcast, make sure you follow and uh, review on YouTube. If you make sure you like, subscribe, and comment down below. Really appreciate you guys tuning in. We got a ton of stuff continuing to come your way. Again, we're now in that um, we're now in that period of the off season where we're going to get really varied with some of our topics because there's not a ton of like direct news going on. Transfer news is still going to kind of come. We'll bring that to you guys. But again. We're going to be all over the place with topics really until we get into this fall and uh, into fall camps and everything. Uh, I'm excited. We're going to do some mock draft stuff. We're going to be doing uh, ranking stuff and everything. All that stuff's coming your way. Really appreciate you guys tuning in. And you guys have a wonderful and blessed day. See you guys next week.